Hello, Biao. You're convening the MSc Migration Studies here in Oxford, and I was wondering how you first became interested in, well, looking at migration and then also having choosing migration as a topic of research. Okay, actually, I became uh, interested in migration in the early 1990s when I was an undergraduate student. Uh, at that time, I was in China, and uh, uh, as you know, um, the internal migration became a very important phenomenon at that time, in the basic rural urban migration. And it was very significant not only because the number of migrants uh, was large, but more importantly, uh, at that time, the, I mean, of course, now still, I think it remains largely the same. Uh, China has this kind of rather unique household registration system which does not allow uh, rural residents to settle down in uh, urban society. So therefore you have, um, by now it's about 140 million people moving from the countryside to the city to work but without uh, the right to settle down. So therefore, you basically create a perpetually a mobile population. So therefore, it's not the issue of a migration, you know, physical movement, relocation per se, but it is a really a create a, a group of population who are structurally outside of the established social system. So therefore, how, how do they live their life and... Uh, uh, what uh, does this mean for the entire nation and for the entire politics, etc.? So it's highly complex and uh, very challenging. So um, when I was doing my undergraduate, actually, I started uh, uh, fieldwork. It's a quite uh, typical ethnographic fieldwork um, in Beijing uh, with a, a migrant community in South Beijing, and uh, it's a very large one. It's about 100,000 migrants who uh, kind of gathered together and uh, uh, spontaneously uh, developed a residential community of their own, but formally actually they are, le they are illegal, they are not supposed to uh, live in Beijing in that way, so the government uh, periodically uh, came down and tried to chase them away. Uh, but on the other hand, they, uh, they developed quite a vibrant economy by producing low-end uh, leather jackets and other type of clothes to, to, and to be sold, not only in Beijing, but nationwide. So they have a very uh, vibrant uh, economy, yet uh, socially they don't have the entitlement to sell down in the city. Uh, so there's lots of rich um, the thing in the community. Yeah, so this is how uh, I became interested in uh, migration. Now, as a convener of a master's studies program that looks specifically at migration, what do you think make Ox makes Oxford a very special place to study migration at? Okay, in this regard, I think Oxford is absolutely uh, not only special, but probably unique uh, place for studying migration. As you know, we have three uh, centers uh, working on uh, migration, and uh, each of them are very sizable. Um, probably we have uh, about 60, you know, research, uh, 60 research staff working on migration across uh, three 
uh, centers. So we have a very strong and vibrant research community here working on migration. And now we have a degree uh, which is embedded in such a very strong research community. This is make it very unique in the sense that students coming here to study migration will meet many uh, researchers who work on migration on a wide range of topics. This means that uh, whichever type of topic you know you want to work on for your dissertation, you will always find some uh, researchers who actually are uh, expert or, or at least a quasi expert uh, in the field that you are interested in. Uh, and of course, it also means that when you are uh, studying migration here, there, is, there are just endless, uh, endless events. Uh, running from seminars to workshops uh, and uh, to all, even you know performance and arts performance, uh, uh, poetry reading and all kinds of things related to migration. So yeah, so uh, to put in nutshell, what makes the the, the Oxford special um, to study migration is that basically you're coming to an ocean of of migration studies by coming to Oxford. Right, and what are you contributing to this ocean yourself, <laughs> especially against the backdrop of your well, story, how you came to research migration in the first place, and against the backdrop of the work that has evolved over time? Uh, so, uh, I mean, um, it, for, for last year and this year, I'm the course uh, convener of uh, this degree, so that is my, basically, uh, my one, oh, well, I, I also supervise a PhD, so probably I would say um, it is uh, about 60% of my, my, my job you mean, to look after this degree. Um, and then uh, I teach on a, a, a we call the critical discussion class uh, called the keywords for this degree. And that, the idea is um, we uh, go through a number of keywords that are uh, kind of crucial for migration studies as well as for social science in general. For example, rights, uh, market, uh, networks, uh, things like policy and the borders, you know, this type of keywords. And we look at the history, how these words uh, emerged in the first place. What is it meant originally, and how the meaning change over the time, and how these words are being used by different literature, including you know public media reports, policy reports, as well as academic writings. And by doing so, you really uh, see how our understanding of migration have changed. Uh, historically, and then you were actually you will, I mean, the, as a result of that, I hope is that you will be aware that you should never take any concept for granted. You know, every concept has its own social history, uh, meaning that it is always um, uh, born in a very specific historical and social context with a very specific meaning, and then it will evolve, you know, over time. Uh, because of the social circumstances, uh, it changed. So uh, when you 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 that will 
uh, after acquire this kind of awareness, then your attitude towards knowledge, towards theory, will also change. You know, theories and the knowledge and the literature are not something outside of you, separate from you. But when you look at the history, you will feel that actually all this knowledge is, uh, is, is something very specific and is something that you can be connected to, right? Because by looking at how the particular type of understanding was born in a very specific circumstances, then you will see actually the theory is nothing abstract, but it is something very specific, concrete, and it's something that you can connect to. You can put your hand on and you can use for your purpose. Uh, in a more, uh, of course, I do all kinds of other things to look after the degree, but you ask whether or not my personal uh, background, for example, you know, how I became interested in migration, uh, may help uh, with this degree. I think probably yes, because I became interested in migration relatively early. So I, I think I know <laughs> how, what's, uh, how it feels when a, in a student at the, uh, at the master's level became interested in, in migration. And also, um, I became interested in migration as a phenomena and as a social issue before I became aware of any migration theories. And I must, I would say this is actually a, I mean, of course, it can be a disadvantage, but I try to see the advantage, uh, advantage in it. It's basically, you know, um, um, I can, I mean, it's, it's something I, I will call the organicity of, of knowledge. You come here to study migration, you must see migration as a social issue, as, a, as experiences as something historically specific. And all the theories, knowledges, should be used to serve your understanding of the reality, rather the other way around. You, know, you think you will you come here and you study theories, and then you will uh, understand the world. No, it's never like that, because the world is too complex to be, to be understood through theories in comprehensively. The process of understanding reality is a is never ending. It's a lifelong process. So it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, you have to engage with the world all the time. Uh, so to establish a relation between you and the reality and the social phenomena, it should be priority. And in this process, a theories knowledges can be a useful tool to facilitate you know how you approach the reality. So uh, that type of um, kind of experience and attitude towards what the study means, I think, is quite important. Yeah. So who is it who comes to Oxford and studies to study migration? So could you give us a brief description of the students Great. and their backgrounds, perhaps? Yes. And we um, now, for example, this year we have uh, 25 students. And uh, they are uh, very diverse. I mean, they come from uh, all parts of the world, and uh, the majority are female. Um, which, of course, we would be happy to see more male applicants in the coming years. Um, yeah, and uh, they are, of course. I mean, they chose this degree primarily because they are interested in migration as. Uh, 
uh, as a social issues, and uh, many of them actually uh, uh, were migrants themselves, or as uh, you know, their parents are migrants, so they do have first hand experiences or direct observations of uh, uh, migration experiences. So, uh, yes, yeah, that is uh, uh, diverse, and uh, uh, they are also very diverse in terms of disciplinary background because this degree is not tied to any particular discipline. So we very welcome students from all kinds of backgrounds. In, I mean, of course, in, in social science is, uh, is, a, is a main uh, source disciplines of students, but uh, I, we found actually uh, students from humanities also enjoy the degree, you know, students uh, in history, philosophy, even literature, uh, because we must not to forget that migratory experiences made a tremendous contribution to literature because it, it provides a very special angle for us to reflect big questions such as the meaning of life, meaning of relationship, and etc. Yeah, and so far we, we don't have students from a science background yet. Probably some students studied in two years science but then changed degree. But we will be interested in <laughs> in having students from science degree. In next year, we will have um, one student who um, had a, a, a medical science degree. Yeah, but I think he did a double uh, degree, so medical science as well as another sociology or something. Yeah. Okay, I would like to shift the focus back to your work, and um, you have been looking very extensively at the interface or the connection between migration and social change, specifically in Asia, that is China and India as two countries that were of specific interest to you. So what would be the main questions that you are addressing in your research there? Okay, probably there's no single one question that I, I address over you know last uh, 20 years or so. Um, but the thing that interest me is always um, a relatively uh, a macro is um, for example the, the uh, how states are changing in, in terms of the form you know how they regulate society as well as in terms of nature you know whose interest the states uh, represent this kind of question and uh, State is one, and then labor relations is um, another one. For example, um, the labor force becomes so mobile. Uh, part of the reason is uh, what I call the societal societalization of employment relations, meaning that employment relations are no longer bilateral relations between the employer and the employee. Actually, nowadays, the labor relations is mediated and regulated, often by third parties, you know, this kind of outsourcing companies or recruitment companies, etc. So what happens within a factory, within a workshop, actually is often determined by a very complex transnational networks, you know, how the recruiters in the sending countries work with the recruiters in receiving countries, and in turn how recruiters work with the, uh, the migrants' families in the village, etc. Uh, so uh, this kind of uh, 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 shift, uh, I think it is uh, 
it's important and it needed to be investigated thoroughly, uh, empirically, as well as needed to be conceptualized and thought through philosophically. You know, what does it mean in terms of duty, right, and uh, responsibility? You know, when the relations become so fragmented, I mean, the labor relations become so fragmented. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I have various several projects. Yeah, probably state and the labor are two of my main concerns. Right. So you just said that you're primarily interested in macro issues. At the same time, though, you um, choose ethnography as one of your key methods of inquiry. So how does this fit together, and why do you think is ethnography very very suitable methods to um, investigate relation immigration related questions? Yes, that's a great question. Um, ethnography, for me, uh, is a way uh, to address the macro questions. Here, the, I mean, the, the, uh, it is a, looks paradoxical because the idea of ethnography is to look at the very direct, everyday, mundane, and even trivial. Uh, events and experiences, right? And uh, ethnography is a refusal of um, kind of simple abstraction and uh, you know big statements and etc. Rather, we wanted to look at the nuances, and uh, it is uh, the gets called the experience near type of of of, of understanding instead, uh, as opposed to this kind of experience far. Uh, way of theorization. Um, but in order to think through some macro uh, questions, some big questions, and especially uh, if you wanted to challenge, to question some basic assumptions behind certain uh, basic understandings of macro questions, such as labor and state. And you have to in order to do that seriously, you have to stand somewhere very firmly yeah, in order to challenge this kind of big and deep assumptions. So, where can I stand in order to think through you know, what the state means for, for, for people, uh, how the states are changing? I found that actually ethnography is, is very powerful in, that, in this sense because it is give me a very a firm grounding for uh, thinking through uh, bigger questions. So, um, so this is you know, ethnography as a kind of uh, a grounding. On the other hand, I mean, I also wanted to emphasize that uh, ethnography probably wouldn't be very powerful as a method of research as well as a, um, a way of analysis, unless you have certain uh, macro concerns. Otherwise, you know, you can become quite uh, naturalistic. You just report what you see immediately. But the point of ethnography is not actually. I mean, this is probably very different from many people's understanding of ethnography. The point of ethnography is not to. Uh, record uh, what you see immediately. That is only step one. The much more important 
uh, part of ethnography is step two, of course, to understand what the people uh, uh, make sense of their life, how they understand of that. And then you have step three, you have to see all the gaps, the contradictions, the ironies of this very rich and complex realities, you know. You, you, people often, we have lots of examples, you know, migrants, we know they are suffering, but, uh, you, but when the NGO reach out, ask them, wanted to organize them, to, to empower themselves, the migrants often say, oh, you know, thank you very much, but this is not my immediate interest. What I want to do is just, you know, I should listen to my boss and earn as much as money as possible and I go home. Um, the migrants, they know that NGO will help them, and they know, you know in long term, this NGO the strategy will, will benefit them, but they, they, they don't want to participate in this kind of a movement. So I mean, this is just a simple example of certain contradiction and irony. Uh, so you ha we have to really work with them then to find out how should we understand this contradiction, right? It is just a matter of you know practical reasons, convenience. It's just a matter of the you know period of time, how long they were staying in this country. Or oh, there's something more: their understanding of justice, a particular understanding of justice, and their of course understanding of their position in the society and etc. So I mean, in this process, we have to look at their economic situation, their political position in the receiving country and their religious belief, and their cultural uh, uh, the customs, and their family relations, and all these kind of things you have, have to be taken into account in order to understand uh, these you know, contradictions, the complexities, and etc. And then, why do we want to see contradictions? Why do we want to see complexities? because this will lead you to a, a new understanding of the big structure and the system. This will enable you to see something actually you did not see just from the surface, from outside of the system, right? Um, then you will uh, develop, you know, specific and engaging critique of the system. I mean, too often, too often, we have people, you know, crit I mean, critiquing is, is probably one of the easiest things you can do in this world. I mean, you basically just complaining about, uh, you know, it's not fair, it's not just, it's not just, and etc. Uh, but the question is to investigate and to find out where is this injustice from? how it perpetuates itself, what sustains it, and what is the uh, cracks within this system, meaning that what, it, what are the possibilities that things may change, and what are the possible directions, the forms for this change, and what we can do, right, including migrants and NGOs, can uh, tap on, can capitalize, can capture a particular moment of particular windows of opportunities for certain type of change. So all the question must be very specific. So the concern must be quite a, 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 a macro and a grand. You know, I hope this paradoxical uh, situation is uh, makes sense to you only when you have big concern. And then 
The specificities acquire its meaning, acquire its significance, because it enables you to tackle these big questions in a meaningful way. And uh, so if you, if you have only macro concerns, then you may probably become rather superficial. Uh, but if you have only micro uh, uh, interests, then you probably become rather trivial. You wouldn't be able to you know, advance any major uh, insights or, or, or uh, critiques. Now, finally, I would like to have a little look into the future. In your forthcoming book, you aim to make order from transnational migration. What does that mean? Okay, it is um, uh, meaning that uh, you... Uh, how, you know, labor... And of course, um, to start with, uh, I think it is quite true that uh, there is tension, structural tension between nation-state on one hand and the transnational mobility on the other hand. The, the tension is complex, but the, nevertheless there's uh, tension because the state, as a modern nation-state, is very uh, ter is ter ter territorialized and is also uh, territorializing, you know, boundaries and very, uh, borders, etc. very important, but transnational mobility challenges that, undermine this logic of, of nation-state. So in my new, uh, the forthcoming book, which, based, which is based on field research, I mean, it's about five years field research in East Asia, I look at how new, a new type of order is uh, being made based on this transnational mobility, and this type of order to reconcile the territorialized a nation state and a mobility. So uh, this is a, a, a kind of a, 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 let me put in the crude ways of what I want to say that after you know twenty I mean basically two decades quite the intensive uh, globalization in at least in Asia we are witnessing a new uh, type of order being consolidated. Uh, which, uh, under which, under this new order, we see very high level mobility on one hand, and at, this, at the same time, we see kind of reinforcement of state power on the other. And of course, then the question is that what does it mean for us? You know, it is, means that we should pursue, um, uh, continue pursuing a transnational social space to protect the universal rights and to make rights and entitlement and the welfare more portable across borders. Or uh, we should uh, rethink of all this and to um, think of a kind of a more grounded institutional anchors uh, for migrants through which they can make political claims or you know, ask for entitlements in the process of migration, you know, I mean, precisely because the state power actually now is being reinforced. Um, yeah, so that is, is, is the basic idea. Thank you very much.